Shalom and welcome to the Vibe of the Tribe podcast from JewishBoston.com. I'm Miriam Anzevin, and I'm joined today by Dan Seligson, Ashley Jacobs, and the OG founder of this podcast, Jesse Ulrich. Hi, guys. Hello, Miriam and people. Hey. What up? (laughs) So today we are gathered here in our respective homes to talk about the new film, An American Pickle. It's out now on HBO Max since nobody goes to the movie theaters anymore, which is fine with me. I hate movie theaters. So An American Pickle stars Seth Rogen with a beard as Herschel Greenbaum, a turn-of-the-century Jewish immigrant to America, determined to build a bright future for his growing family. But plot twist, he falls into a vat of pickle brine and awakens a century later in modern-day Brooklyn, and a clean-shaven Seth Rogen plays his millennial great-grandson, Ben. A very sweet and very silly movie ensues. None of what I just said really gives anything away because that is all in the trailer. And most of this happens in the first few minutes of the movie anyway. But as we go through this episode of The Vibe of the Tribe, we are going to be mentioning some spoilers. So be forewarned. Okay, so for my panel of experts here, let's start with some overall thoughts How ridiculous is this movie? If you had to describe it in a sentence, how would you do that? For example, my personal take is I think of this film as a little bit of Five Goes West or like in the American tale meets Parent Trap meets that SNL Kate McKinnon sketch about Olya the Russian peasant. Dan, let's hear from you. Well, that's very (laughs) complex and I can't even try to unpack that. But I do think this was stoner cinema. This is something that I could totally see a few high school friends who all did Jewish youth group together talking about over Signal one night. And in fact, it's really easy to picture because it happened last night. As it turns out, Seth Rogen, in my mind, is a type. He is a medium functioning Jewish stoner. He's relatable, not really so much a physical specimen, not necessarily a charismatic leading man, not necessarily a hero. He's a prototype of this word I'm going to mispronounce, a Dershtik. Help me out, Miriam. It's a Yiddish word. I have never, I'm sorry, I have literally never encountered this word before. I thought you just made okay, it up. So basically, it's a word that starts with a D. It's very long, and it says something mensch, which means an average Jewish man. So then after we talked about this, our conversation turned to the merits of Peter Sellers being there, which I'll talk about later because there are some connections. And then we also moved on to the difficulty of the northwest corner of the Thursday New York Times crossword. In closing... Does anyone else think that Rogan made this movie because he was talking about how guys in Brooklyn just look like they stepped out of the shuttle and then built an entire movie around that one thought? That's possible if it wasn't based on some source material, but there is something to what you're saying. Jesse, what are your thoughts? Really, if I had to summarize this movie in one line, it would be, uh, Rip Van Winklestein, <laughs> right? It is a the classic formula of taking someone out of time to show how both regressive and in some ways progressive older cultures were. It, and it was also both sweet and delightful. And I didn't really get the stoner part of it just because there was literally no weed in this movie. Oh, there, there was weed Wait, in this where? movie. We didn't see it, but there where? was a lot of oh. weed in the making of this movie. I <laughs> yeah. promise you. Yeah, I guess if you replace all of the pickle talk mm, with weed, it's a euphemism. Then yes. Yes. People were enjoying those pickles way too yes. much. So, Ashley, tell us what you thought. So, I had I went through this phase six years ago where I had this total movie star crush on Seth Rogen and watched like 
all of his movies. And Dan, I do want to push back because I think that Seth Rogen is charismatic in his own way. I just think his relatability is what makes him appealing. But for me, an American pickle was like blast from the past and an American tale, but minus the dope swing dancing scene and the cartoon <laughs> singing, obviously, like I miss those Cossack cats uh, meets hipster palooza meets our current era. And I think that culture today is in a way a caricature of itself, but I can go into that later. I'd like to briefly mention that I'm enjoying this pop culture moment where Jews hatreds of Cossacks is like. We are reminding everyone of this from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel to this. <laughs> Let us not forget, Cossack's bad. Yes, so. yes. Let's bring that into the popular pop culture consciousness. Yeah. We hate Cossacks. They hate us. Yeah, it's a great villain word. Yeah, so. great. It's great. <laughs> but let's go to what Ashley was saying a little bit more. They, both of these Seth Rogen characters in this movie have very different attitudes and how they present themselves to the world. You've got the very tough Herschel, who has been through some real, some real shit, like his whole job is digging ditches in the old country, like every misery has befallen him. And then he's just a survivor of his, the old country brutality and the transition to America. And then you've got the perceived weak uh, city dweller, Ben, who's just an app developer. He's like a nebbish. He's just eh. So I loved Herschel's constant willingness to do, quote, terrible violence to anyone who gets in his way or anyone, again, he perceives as Cossacks. And I was profoundly uninterested in Ben, the app developer, but Herschel, the proud Jew, determined my immigrant with a great beard and an urge to cause mayhem. Him I loved. So I do have to hand it to Seth Rogen, as I feel he did create and play two very distinct characters with distinct realities, like when Ben's telling Herschel about how his parents died and Herschel goes, murder or regular? Because <laughs> every death is broken down. Is it, was it murder or was it regular? And that says it all right there. Jesse, what was your thoughts on these presentations of these two distinct characters? So uh, I have a real, I don't know what the, what the right Yiddish term would be, but an annoyance with sometimes the sort of beautification of Eastern European shtetl life as something that people want to go back to. Yeah, which we was don't not want the case. to do that. No, it's terrible. And Jews of Eastern Europe left Eastern Europe for a reason. America was better. And I don't think the movie was trying to do this, but I feel very early on that Herschel invented a new kind of shovel. <laughs> yes. In that early scene. I, yes. I was like, wait a second, did he just invent steel shovels? The first five minutes is very much that SNL sketch. That uh, was so funny. Which I love. I love, I love that character. Funny yeah. in the first five minutes. In the belly of the wolf, I will finally be warm. Yes. That sort of situation. <laughs> the idea that people who had to deal with the stuff Herschel had to deal with are tougher than millennial Jews now is not something that I feel like needs to be discussed that much. Yes, our lives are easier now. I don't work as hard as my dad who didn't work as hard as his dad. That's how immigrant families work. And while I'll always feel some secret deep seated guilt about that there's nothing i can do about it because i don't have to work you know five jobs to you know feed my six kids that i don't have right in my tiny brooklyn apartment which by the way unemployed app developer could not have afforded that apartment in brooklyn i, I did think about that <laughs> yeah I was, like, I was like that's a he nice got a big check. yeah it really was he got a big check we don't know how big that check was mm, that's true mm. ashley what are your thoughts so I think that Ben is a survivor in his own way. 
I I really want to give him some credit here because he's alone. He freelances with this one idea he has. He doesn't talk about his friends. He doesn't talk about his family ever. And he's just spending five years since they're passing, just trying to honor them in some way and try to live up to their own expectations of him. I think that Herschel's constant threat to follow through and and do violence (laughs) is, you know, like quintessential him because he has such a, I think Herschel has such a strong loyalty to himself and to the idea of family, whereas Ben, who has been alone for so long and doesn't really let people in, I don't think that he's able to really understand and appreciate this. One of my favorite moments of the film, actually, of them coming together was this really beautiful moment of tenderness when they're fleeing to Canada (laughs) in the woods and Ben falls and cuts his hand. And Herschel, without even thinking about it, just takes out, like he rips a piece from his jacket lining and just bandages Ben's hand up. And when was the last time that happened to Ben? Because when Herschel emerges, he's the one in the weaker position, right? Like he has no idea what's going on. It's been 100 years. How he didn't drown in that vat of pickle brine is beyond me. (laughs) So Ben really has more power here. But he also doesn't. So I, I felt like that was just a really beautiful moment for me. And I think that they're both strong in their own ways. Dan, how did you see their dichotomy? I got to say that I, I always told people that I believed my ancestors in the old country being Poland and Russia were beet farmers. But now I'd like to think that they were ditch diggers. And then I'm trying to think that beet farmers actually do both. There's a certain amount of digging involved in planting beets. I'm thinking about me now. Like I am at this very moment working for compensation. I'm talking about this movie for money. So it's not just Ben who's soft. It's me. It's all of us. There's this scene... <laughs> where very yeah, soft totally weak uh, my hands are very soft there's this <laughs> I, I have tiny female hands according to this movie <laughs> where are the calluses i have serving hands so there's this one uh, there's a scene where herschel goes to the grocery store to buy what he thinks are extremely overpriced cucumbers i'm sure they're totally normally priced for brooklyn and he sees in the back of the store this dumpster where essentially they're throwing out all of these vegetables and fruit that aren't Instagram friendly. It's such a sign that we're all so soft that like we can't get a cucumber with a dent in it. We have to throw it out. So what Herschel is seeing, he's seen it in Ben. He's seen it in everything that is happening in the society that he woke mm, up into. That's very interesting. And the, the consumerist and trash oriented society is something that's so perplexing to him. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. All he wanted was a seltzer. <laughs> All he wanted and they was wouldn't a give seltzer. it to him. Just one seltzer. I actually have to digress for one moment and think about something that happened to me in uh, when I was in yeshiva and it was seventh grade. And I said to one of these kids, yeah, seltzer is like a Jewish drink. And they laughed at me and they said, there's no such thing as a Jewish drink. I would like to go back in time in a pickle vat, if that's possible, and say to those kids, aha. I don't I don't think it works in reverse, Miriam. I know. If only. Oh, well, if only. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe watermelon <laughs> brine goes back in time. <laughs> So so speaking of Jewishness, here we have a movie that explores the concept of what are unassimilated immigrant ancestors, how would they view us in the modern day? Herschel has immense Jewish pride, yet Ben wants nothing to do with his heritage or religion at all. 
what did you make of this meeting of pre, like new immigrant versus been here multiple generations meeting of the minds? Ashley, what were your thoughts? I think that, again, it goes back to Ben being sad and afraid and he he wants nothing to do with his heritage because he's still grieving when in reality he's mm. been honoring his family all along, which is really like one of the pillars, one of the roots of Judaism. So I don't know. I just I feel like from two different places because Herschel, the only thing he knows is being Jewish and having dreams of trying seltzer water and trying to honor his wife's dream of having their own grave plot and headstone. And Ben, his goals today don't like it's just not a part of people's lives today. Like at this point in time for not like religion is not as prevalent in people's day to day lives as it was back then. And that's exactly the point that Ben makes to him. He says, it totally makes sense why you would be a religious person at that time. It makes sense. What I thought this film did miss an opportunity in doing is showing him meet some like Chabadniks in Brooklyn. Yeah, or I was something like, too. how could he wander around like this old time shtetl man and not meet some guy who's, have you put on Dephilin yet? <laughs> this to me, and that would have been a very interesting dynamic to see what he would have made of that. Dan, what did you think about this? like Jewish pride versus uh, uncomfortability with this concept that Ben seems to have. Yeah, it's interesting because when I think about Herschel, and now I'm giving this movie a lot more credit for <laughs> having deeper meaning than I think it actually was intended. Herschel suffered and saw people die because they were Jewish. They were murdered. It was, a, it was like a red right. wedding without that. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. So I think for him to see a world in which you can just say, I'm culturally Jewish or I'm whatever Jewish, he's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like you're either Jewish and risk your life to be Jewish or you're not Jewish and you're probably a Cossack. I'm not sure exactly how he saw the world. And it doesn't mean that Herschel's perfect. So what happens is when Herschel opens his mouth frequently that his virtue is really limited. He has a moral code, but when you would try to apply his thinking to a modern world, he really sounds like a caveman. And then I just try to remember, okay, it's a comedy. Think It's not a rom-com. It's just a comedy, basically hot tub time machine with beards. So I'm not going to give it as much credit. I'm going to, I'm going to then withdraw some of the credit that I was giving to the film and just say, it's a light comedy with a couple of mini heavy themes. It's all about home sweet home, Dan. So just real quick, the thing too, that really sticks out in my mind of this tension meeting is when they're in the cemetery and it's not taken care of. There's litter everywhere. And this billboard for Russian vodka comes up. Vanilla vodka. And Hersh Insult Vanilla to vodka, which is, yeah, exactly. So he's just, Herschel's willing. He doesn't bat an eye in like doing violence. He just punches people out and then they both get arrested. And then it just impacts Ben's entire life because like the VC doesn't want to invest in his company because he was forced to defend his great grandfather who was defending his heritage. And Ben was just so caught up in being arrested without even thinking about the cause. And, yeah. and, ha and I have not read the short story that this movie is based off of, but knowing Simon Rich's work, I am guessing there are more serious themes in that story than the serious themes probably came from that short story versus uh, Seth Rogen's mind. Mm -hmm. But again, <laughs> the title is important here 
the reason why Eastern European Ashkenazic Jews that came to America were racist, uneducated, and only wanted to live with other Jews is because that is what they were forced to do in Europe. The pickle here for Jews is how <laughs> does that kind of Judaism survive in a country that has the freedom of religion, the freedom of movement, and has allowed Jews to do things we were not allowed to do before. The question is, the, the point is, that Judaism can't survive that way. Judaism can't be something you just grow up in, never question, just do, and then die in a country like America. Yeah, it has to be an active thing. Yes. It can't, it's not like preserved pristinely in the old country when we must duplicate that. I know that is the opinion of some communities that we do actually have to recreate that in every possible way from dress to cultural norms to language. And that's a bigger issue. But yeah, my family, I only have to go back to my grandfather to get to the point where people immigrated to America. And from having conversations with my own father about the Judaism he grew up in, it was the sort of you're taught to do these things. You do them. You don't question them. It has a large amount of misogyny. And racism what? into it. Yeah. And, I'm shocked. And so it's not surprising that Herschel would believe these things. Like, no, Judy, it's, like, it's not surprising at all. And that's something that's a positive America has brought to Judaism, which is the forcing it to deal with its weird dark corners that all religions have when it talks about other people. I, yes, that's, there's some great points there. And I would have loved to see that explored more. But I think that is indeed asking too much for this film. But yeah, for me, I was hit by the face that Herschel makes when he realizes not only has Ben failed to say the mourner's cottage for every dead member of the family between himself and Ben, um, and he doesn't want to do anything Jewish, he's let the, the family cemetery completely go and is overrun by weeds and trash. That really, I don't know, I felt that. As someone who said the mourner's cottage, I think anyone out there who's done, that does sting. Like, you feel that on a very deep level. But we don't really connect with any other things in this film. There are no other examples of Jewish things other than ones associated with death and misery. And I'm, I guess I shouldn't be puzzled at this point because this happens a lot in how Jews are and Jewish culture is represented in American media. But Jewishness is always represented as abjectly <laughs> depressing and that does bother me like historically that is the first thing jews jewish immigrants in america did was buy burial plots it was the one thing they could do right. and it's interesting that jews themselves write that into american culture as the sort of signifier of what uh, judaism is but again a reminder the judaism of the you know 1880s to 1920s of eastern european ashkenazic jews was not a happy judaism it was a sad judaism the Hasidic movement begs to differ, but this is a conversation yeah. for another time. It is kind of, um, it would have been a very different movie if Herschel had found yeah. out about World War II and the Holocaust. We don't see him finding out about that. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that yeah. would have been a kind of a big completely deal. Completely bypassed that whole, to us, that is 20th century Judaism, the Holocaust, the founding of the state of Israel. Those are the two major things that happen. Herschel, who has this very strong Jewish identity, seems to exist in a bubble. At least we don't see anything about it a bubble where neither of these things happen or have any significance in his life. Whereas too much complexity and nuance, Dan, they can't lives. put that in this movie. Yeah. This is a comedy. It's a comedy, I'll, Dan. I'll, I'll have you seen any down. comedies about, there are some yes. comedies about the Holocaust yes. in Israel, Go but see Jojo Rabbit, Jojo Rabbit's great. Jojo Rabbit. 
as we've talked about, this is totally a fish out of water movie on two fronts. Obviously, you have Herschel's raw, unfiltered offensiveness um, when meeting modern sensibilities, which Ben exploits when they're when they're in conflict with each other by introducing him to Twitter. And Ben's discovery of a connection to his heritage and Judaism in <laughs> Eastern Europe that he previously rejected. How do you see these two fish out of water narratives? Dan? I'm going to talk about the first part, I think. There was a movie that came out in 1979 called Being There, and it stars Peter Sellers as a guy named Chance. He doesn't have a last name, but we know he's a gardener. So when he's met by this very rich dude, he's known as Chauncey. He thought that Chance was actually Chauncey, so he called him Chauncey Gardener. And what happens in being there is this guy who knows nothing, who lived a completely sheltered life and a very simple man, he starts to talk about the economy when asked a question by the president. And he says, in spring, the thaw is when the blooms begin to grow. And the president says, oh, my God, you mean that the GNP is going to pick up after the first you know, quarter of whatever? And so he stumbles into this idea that he's a genius. We see exactly the same thing happen with Herschel. He says something completely, totally, utterly offensive on Twitter. And then people start to unpack it and say, maybe this guy from a previous century has something to say about the way we're living now. That, to me, was a very striking parallel. And what being there did was hold a mirror up to not the 70s, it came out in 79, but to what was about to happen in the 80s, the ridiculous excessiveness of the 80s. What this movie is, and I'm giving it, again, too much credit, it's holding a mirror up to the excesses of, of the generation that we're living in and how self-important we are and cancel culture and all these other things in, and I thought, a really interesting, amusing, but not very deep way. Ashley, I want to go to what you said, Dan, about the modern culture and like how everything is so centric and like on the self and we're the most important person, even though we're really not, I think. The amount of modern references in this film and poking fun at culture here it was just like it was fantastic and like how particular it is today compared to the straightforwardness and grayscale of the country of schlops. <laughs> I think, I think so that's too. what it is. Like Ben's clothes change every scene and they're typically very colorful, but Herschel is wearing the exact same outfit. Does he ever in wash that? Scene, like ex my question's exactly it's been right with pickle brines for yeah. centuries. It's, it's going to be gross. Yeah. So he's wearing the same thing and when he goes to Ben's apartment and he and Ben's offering drink, drinks he's like macadamia milk, pea milk. Yeah, they're making milk out of peas now. You you can have milk out of everything. It's just it's so extreme but it's also so accurate. And I think that's what I meant in the beginning of this film being a caricature of modern times when Ben is trying to think of app names. It's like, ethics is lit, bro. Eat my <laughs> ethics. This kale fucks, right? But a, a real cool like bonding moment, a compromise between Herschel's generation and Ben's generation is like the mid-credit scene where they're watching Yentl and they're bonding over that. So I thought that was a really cool joint moment coming together. Oh my God, I didn't go that oh, far. Oh, damn. I didn't go that far. What the oh, heck? Oh, I got to go back. Oh, no. yeah. uh, it's great. It's pretty yeah, great. Let's hear your thoughts. I would like to point out to my fellow colleagues who live in Boston that this movie could have easily taken place in Somerville and they wouldn't have that had to change true. a single thing. Right? As somebody who lives in Somerville, I 100% support what you just said. Like th those two, I'm, I'm assuming, gay couple who first runs into him when he's selling pickles. Yeah, artisanal made pickles. Out of rainwater. Yeah. Which again. And salt he got out of the trash. Here's the thing. Like 
the health department would have been called on that from day one. But anyway, getting over the leaps comedies have to make. And I have to give this movie props for, as someone who watches a lot of time travel movies, handling the scientific explanation of how he survived by having the character voice over that the scientists are explaining how it works. And the press being like, that makes sense. I was like, thank you for admitting it's stupid. And there's no reason to try to come up with an right, actual don't waste our time. explanation. I love mm-hmm. that they did that. I was so happy that they did that. That was impressive. I was like, well done, because let's just move on. Like He's, a, he's from 100 years ago. Exactly. Let's get to the fun part. It's interesting that I think the original question was that this is a fish out of water movie on two fronts, right? There is a disconnected Ben and a out of time Herschel. And what's interesting about that is they both respond to threats in the same way. Mm. Just it presents differently. So Herschel's Herschel doesn't like to process things. He likes to inflict violence. Do violence. And I like that. Do violence. (laughs) Ben, on the other hand, yeah. Ben on the other hand just emotionally shuts down, which mm. is also something you have to do when you're about to do violence. So it's really just that Ben has lost the punching people in the face part. Also, I'd like to say that Ben's violence, or so to speak, his uh, sabotage is all directed at Herschel. So like he, yeah. It's a metaphor for how he's self-sabotaged his own life over the past five years. Oh, mm. I didn't pick up on that. Uh, son of an English teacher right here. So mm, mm. it's true. This movie skips over some things that would have been interesting. So Herschel meeting mm-hmm. uh, the non-mask wearing super religious Jews of New York City talking about Israel or the Holocaust. I understand. <laughs> and we'll talk about this later. Why Israel didn't come mm-hmm. up. Think about Ben's app, right? That he's making in honor of his parents. It's about wanting to buy and spend your money on ethical things that you don't have to feel guilty about which to me is an incredibly yes. Jewish thing to do. Mm. It says in Pirkei Avot, I believe, ethics of the fathers, thou yeah. shalt purchase everything through an app yeah. <laughs> that does tell you if it is okay. I would throw out there that Ben's Judaism is cultural Judaism, right? He doesn't go to services or whatnot, is I would say the a more positive and forward-looking kind of Judaism than Herschel's very regressive, focused on death and pain, racist Eastern European Judaism. Survival Judaism. Jesse, who is keeping the ancestors out of Gehenna if no one is saying Kaddish? I can't answer that question. An app ain't going to do that. Listen, not yet. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) You just gave me a good app idea. (laughs) So one thing I just, I loved about this is that, look, he says, Herschel says so many offensive things, especially when Ben introduces him to Twitter. But I hope that there was only one thing that he said that was truly enough to destroy him here in America and it made him flee, like they had to flee to Canada. And it's a very specific thing that Jews have been killed over so often in history. And I love that it was still the same thing. I don't know if I'm going to say what that thing is. No, let's is, leave it. But if you watch let's the movie, leave let's yeah. leave it. He, bes- it has- he besmirched the nature of Jesus's mom. How about that? Yeah, okay, we can say that. But so many Jews have died over the thousands of years because of this. I thought that was very, that was very true, that moment. That felt true. Yeah. If if he had admitted the blood libel was real, I thought that would have been funnier. Oh, that would have been really funny, but, but very dangerous. And we should point out that plenty of people actually believe that blood libels are real. Yes. So listeners, no matter how, yeah. blood, listeners, yeah. they're not real. They're not real. We do not actually drink the blood of Babies, toddlers, teenagers, adults, no actual humans were harmed in the making of 
totally do. Speaking of babies, totally do, one of actually. the like more one of the of quote unquote offensive things that he says during that whole debate is that women have whole and bottom of body to serve babies. That was just like the most hysterical moment. Like it was so okay, funny. But that's. <laughs> I thought that was it hilarious. Got a big cheer, it got a big cheer he from did. the entire audience. He did. Yeah. I liked how he said women yeah. have small, smaller serving hands. All the women in the audience are like, we do. Like, it, it, like again, that, that, that seems terrible. Yeah. It's, if there's an element of truth, of disturbing truth. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. So speaking of controversies, we all know that Seth got in a little bit of a pickle himself recently about comments he made about Israel. So my question is, do we care as viewers of this film or just as people? Does it matter? Does it change anything about the overt Jewiness of this film? To me, no. Like, the only thing I really care about in a Jewish movie is if someone explains to the audience what Hashem means, because I hate that. And he says it multiple times in the first five minutes, and there was no explanation given. I approve. Also, if Seth Rogen really was as anti-Israel as everyone thinks, a soda stream machine would not have played such a key role in this movie. It did bother me that this movie posits that mourning our dead and remembering our historic miseries are the be-all, end-all of Jewish culture. And it makes Jewish being Jewish seem like a real downer. And it's not all oi. We've also got joy, Seth. Our identities aren't all negative. Uh, okay, let me like preface my remarks Damn. by saying I vehemently disagree with Seth Rogen on Israel. There I said it. Everything I say from that moment on, please realize that it's in that context. I don't care. I've heard plenty of people my age or younger express very similar sentiments. And what he said essentially was that we were not given the straight dope on Israel. And they, he resents it and other people resent it, that the people who were given the kind of information that he was given lack the tools to understand the complexities of the region and the complexities of Israel's founding. And he's frustrated and he was expressing that frustration. I don't actually know from what he said, whether he's anti-Israel. He said it doesn't make sense, I think is what he may have said. It may have been stronger than that, but I didn't hear strong anti-Israel sentiment. I think a lot of the things that we're confronting for the first time with the murders of black people in this country, we're confronting the fact that we weren't taught about Juneteenth. I watched Gone with the Wind as part of my history class in eighth grade, given no context about slavery, given no information about slavery in this country. Do I hate America because I'm now finding out about how horrific things are and have been for the last 300 years? No, but I do resent the choices that the people who educated me have made. And I, that's what I was hearing from Seth Rogen, I don't relate to his position on Israel, but I hear it. Mm. That's a great point. I think Jesse and I have talked about the fact Jesse lives in, in Tulsa, and he and I have spoken about the fact that I was unaware, for example, about the horrific pogrom that took place there, the, the Tulsa pogrom. I was completely unaware of this until I watched the show Watchmen. And that is what, you know, and so I did feel, oh, my God, there's a huge there's huge pieces of my understanding of my own country, let alone another country like Seth Rogen is an Israeli. We're talking about a completely different country. It's hard enough to know the truth about your own country, let alone another one. So I definitely feel what you're saying, Dan. Jesse, did you have thoughts on this controversy? 
One, I don't care about the controversy. Yeah, I don't think any of us do. (laughs) One, as a Jewish historian, you have to spend a lot of time separating the art from the artist. Mm -hmm. If you want to enjoy things ever, as we as Jews like to do, we do enjoy things. Uh, No, you're not allowed to. It's misery, Jesse. Listen, their lives were miserable. But now we can live a little. Yeah, like we can live till we're 90 if we have enough money. So does it change anything about the Jewishness of the film? No, but it does... His controversy points out the fight that America itself is having with its own history because American Jews fight over what support of Israel is very much like the fight between liberals and conservatives over what American history is and what it tells us about ourselves. Meaning that as someone who learned about the Tulsa race massacre of 1921 from my dad and not from a history teacher, I understood that America is always trying to be the great country certain people believe it is now. It is a goal that which can never be reached because humans are not perfect. Some people want to believe that perfect history that ignores all the terrible things the American government and Americans have done. Especially, it's very weird to do that in a place like Oklahoma that has a very large population of Native Americans or indigenous people where we just ignore the fact that we stole their land twice. But America's great. So the point is, Like, you have to recognize Judaism and Jewish history as an amalgamation of people doing things. People are not perfect. People do terrible things. That does not take away from the greatness, right? American Jews are very sensitive to talking bad about anything, say, American Jews have done, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Did anyone learn about what American Jews did in Prohibition in any of your academic classes? I didn't learn about it until grad school. It's not great. Not great, guys. Is that where Manischewitz comes from? Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> no, it's, I won't go into it. But let's just say a lot of people became rabbis so that they could oh. serve alcohol. And because that was a loophole ran into prohibition. So we are not perfect. Seth is allowed to have whatever opinion he wants. This is America, damn it. Yeah. I will also say that one of the most Jewish possible aspects of this controversy is that <laughs> his mother mother got a call, I believe from Isaac Herzog of the Jewish agency, asking, like saying, oh, he has to apologize. He has to apologize. And then Seth had to get on the phone with him. But Seth didn't actually apologize. He qualified his remarks. But and then Isaac Herzog said, he's apologizing. And Seth Rogen's like, no. But the fact that they had to get his mom involved, I feel. Uh, we fell into Jewish. like numerous stereotypes <laughs> of that Jewy. whole thing. We just, that was a, we, that was an embarrassment for us all. So let's take this idea further of these like political lessons that we can learn from our history and, and somewhat from this film. But it's a, an election year. There's a lot of political stuff going on right now. What does this kind of, this movie reflect back to us about the um, moment in time that we're in? First of all, I want to say that I have so many opinions on the public education or just the education system in general in this country that I can just go on and on about. But I want to just echo what Dan said to the previous question, because I agree with, with him. And I think this goes into my answer to this question is that there's a missed opportunity here to show people how the world has evolved and where it's come from and to actually teach. So to go back to the movie for a moment, like I'm thinking of when they're walking down the streets of Brooklyn and they see this interracial couple on the sidewalk and Ben's and then Herschel's, oh, people do this now. And Ben just writes it off. Oh, yeah, of course, like it's totally normal. 
right? Oh, yeah. And in some states, but it's just it's completely normalized. And I think that's wonderful. And cancel culture today is like so real and rampant and alive. And you can go from headlines like, does Herschel have big dick energy of to Kanye West defends Herschel's right to offend just based on one thing you say. So I feel like today, like there is such a huge missed opportunity to engage in productive conversation. You just have to put yourself in other people's shoes and be open to listening to what they have to say. Like, I think that there is so much room for respectful dialogue and the opportunity to learn from one another. And something to keep in mind, too, with this film is like cultural and temporal deference. So like Herschel doesn't know how things have evolved. He does not know that it is not okay to say all of the things he says. And that's not his fault at all. Like, I'm not saying. Right. He has no basis to know that. Exactly. There needs to be room for conversation and cancel culture is toxic. And I think that by perpetuating stuff like that, we are missing out on countless opportunities to learn and grow and move things forward. Like I'm thinking about Julian Edelman and Deshaun Jackson, right? Um, Two Mm -hmm. NFL players who had a really, you know, Deshaun Jackson said something that was, or he quoted something that was very anti-Semitic. And then Julian Edelman, my favorite football player, responded back with something very meaningful about like, why don't you come with me to the Holocaust Museum and we'll go to the Museum of African-American History and we'll have burgers and we'll have uncomfortable conversations. And I feel like that is something that needs to happen. And it's not. So you're saying that someone should have tweeted back to Herschel and said, let me explain to you why you shouldn't say this about or engage with him because we didn't all we saw was him being literally like chased with yeah, pitchforks and signs yeah. and stuff. No one said this is why it's we don't do this exactly. Like, you, you mean like me like that intern that shouldn't have been yeah, typing exactly, those tweets? That, that yes. stupid intern. Like she could have done something. She could, but they didn't. And I just I feel like we all just need to collectively like chill and take a step <laughs> back and realize that at the crux of misunderstanding is ignorance. So, like, why not just take the opportunity to educate and ask questions and just be open to listening? And a lot of us don't have the same sort of isolation one has coming from, you know, the shtetl to a vat for 100 years. A lot of us have more outside exposure to ideas than that. So, yeah. Um, Dan, I know you had thoughts on this. Well, I I just have to say that, Ashley, what you said was very true and very important. And it's all out the window because we're in an election year. Like none of that is going to happen. There's going to be no nuance. It's going to be cancel everything. It's going to be one side going after another. Uh, It's going to be terrible. There was one line in the movie that really was like a little wink thing where I think it was Ben who said to Herschel or maybe the other way around. It's not like you can say terrible things in this country and get away with it or (laughs) without apologizing for it. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's just a beautiful uh, connection to where we're living. How did this movie make you guys feel about being American, Jewish, and all of us are from immigrant backgrounds? All of us. They're slightly different immigrant backgrounds, but we all have that. Did it make you feel like you wanted to connect more with your Jewish history or your family or learn more about what your ancestors have gone through? Or did it like completely not resonate on that level 
at all. For me, this is this story is a, a riff on a very specific Ashkenazi experience and a very fictional, silly take on that. But the larger theme still hit. It still resonated. It made me think of going to the Lower East Side with my grandfather for pickles right out of a barrel when I was like three, four, five. It also made me think of the lives of my family in the not-too-distant past who were killed and maimed in pogroms, which is a less pleasant memory than getting the pickles. But it also reminded me of the sometimes impossible burdens we place on our own children to carry on a family legacy and the feelings of disappointment we have with them. I Okay, look, I don't have children, but I feel this with my dog. Uh, when they don't do what you believe they can live up to. Herschel has big dreams for his family. And then when he wakes up, he realizes they have not been fulfilled by Ben, who was not a doctor or a lawyer. And, and yeah, the Ashkenormativity in this film was overwhelming. Let's just say that right now. This is definitely a very specific story. But I still felt it. Dan, did you feel it at all? Or was it just like... Now that I'm talking about it, I'm feeling it a little bit more. But when I finished the movie, I said, that was a pretty enjoyable hour and 20 minutes, though now I realize this probably should have been an hour and 25 minutes because I missed that uh, part mid-credits. So I'm going to go back and watch that last five minutes. Mm. But no, did not feel any larger message only on reflection today when talking to three other people who had the same experience and are smarter than me, did I actually begin to realize there might be more meaning. Mm. So thank you for that, You're all welcome. of you. Ashley, did it make you feel any type of way? Yes, it made me very sad and it made me homesick because I haven't seen my family in over eight months and I don't know when I'm oh, going to get to see them next folks. because... Damn you, yeah, Corona! Yeah, fucking quarantine. And it's when it comes to an immigrant story, I am first-generation American on my mom's side, which we've talked about on this podcast before. But my dad's family came over from Eastern Europe and... He has this giant extended family that's still a mystery to me. And even to him in some ways, they would have Passover seders with over 100 people every year that was all homemade. And, and like, that's just not a thing anymore. And it made me sad and wistful because I do have family that I've never met that I don't know about. And just Herschel's quest to find that and carry on his family legacy is just it made me sad because it was like is that something that I'm going to be able to have knowing that I have you know relatives all over the country and even all over the world because of they fled pre-holocaust but it's am I ever going to meet them and, and carry things on mm. Jesse in normal times it would have hit me anyway just because scene where he's doing the mourner's cottage in random country in Eastern Europe. Like it was just a well earned moment. I thought for the film because of situations in my own life, it hit even more because one in the past, my family bought burial plots when they first moved to New York, when they first immigrated to New York and all of my family's there, except for my great grandfather on my dad's side, because he died in a hospital and that hospital had its own graveyard and my significant other did some research to find out where he was buried. And I went with my dad, maybe like a decade ago now, and found it. And no one likes going to cemeteries. Like, no one likes to think about well, their own death. Um, maybe some people do. Vampires, for I, example. Okay, uh, never mind. I also totally the, don't. Miriam like likes going, going to, to cemeteries. It's good to know. But the point was, like, we recently had to go look where my dad and my mom want to be buried. Mm -hmm. And it's rough. It's a rough thing to talk about. It's a rough thing to do. And so this whole movie's focus on the fact that Herschel's Judaism is focused a lot around honoring 
the dead, like real hit me like right here. And does it make me feel guilty about not going to services? Not specifically now because you can't physically go to services. I could be watching one on via a stream, but like Ben, my Judaism is reflected in the work I do. Not so much how I pray. Yeah. I think anyone who's had to spend time looking for burial plots for their parental figure or a member of their family can recognize that deep significance of that aspect of this movie and realize that's like the one non-silly thing that really did did carry some weight. So we don't end this on a bit of a downer. So we can have some joy with our oi. Let's talk our final verdicts on this film. And I would like everyone to rate this movie. How many pickles out of a jar of 10 pickles would you give this film? So I'm going to give it five whole pickles and two spears of a really good sour pickle from Gus's Pickles back in the day, plus one Israeli pickle bonus for the controversy. Dan. So getting back to the first thing I said about this being a stoner movie, I'm going to give it a five. I watched it first thing in the morning because I had to prepare for this. Had I watched under different circumstances, I probably would have given it a seven. Hmm. And I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. Okay. It's a five and or a seven, depending on circumstances. Interesting. Any specific type of pickle or just dill? Sour diesel pickle. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more, Dan. Say no more. Ashley, uh, I would give it a seven plus two spears and don't ask me okay. what kind of pickle i don't know anything about pickles i know that you can pickle all sorts of things but we're gonna go classic half sour pickle okay here. as long as no one's saying like bread and butter or like half sours which shouldn't even be qualified so no no you said spears yeah no i said seven and but i, I think i said half sour so you can cut that uh, out jesse uh, because i, I will, don't know okay. anything about pickles. i will cut that out because half sours <laughs> are just cucumbers I don't They're know anything about pickles. They're just salty cucumbers. That's the only thing I, I know, know about, about pickles that. is that I don't like half sours because they're not pickles. Exactly. I don't actually want to like it to resemble a cucumber so much that I'm like, why? Yeah. Just I want this to be a different thing. Okay, sorry. We're, we're digressing a little bit. Jesse, how many pickles so, out of a jar of pickles? I'm judging this movie based off the fact that it is a comedy and mm. how comedy movies have gone over the past couple of years. And I give it a lot of credit for sticking to its hour and a half runtime. And oh, that's good. Yeah. Because there are some comedies that are like two hours long that they easily could have cut 30 minutes. Like this movie did not waste, as far as I could tell, didn't waste a scene with mm-hmm. just because there was some funny ad lib or whatever. So I give it 6.5 real pickles because. And real to you means real what? to me means actual pickles, not half sours, which are an abomination. Thank you. And if any of our listeners like half sours, we are not friends. <laughs> we would only like an audience that enjoys fully sour pickles. Yeah. Actual pickles. Actual pickles. Please, everyone listening at home, adhere to this. Yeah. Thank you. This came down from Mount Sinai. Yeah. These are the <laughs> these are the rules. You, you, you can, uh, if, if yeah. anyone wants to at me at only real pickles on Twitter. Not <laughs> I hope that's actually not a real handle. Yeah. We'll have to look at yeah. that. No, we don't harass anybody and get them canceled. Yeah. They'll be fine. Um, so thank you to Dan, Ashley, and Jesse for joining me on this episode and talking all about this movie. Thanks, everybody. This was fun. <laughs> thank you. This I, was, uh, it was always great to see your face, Jesse. I miss you. I, I miss you all very much. I've seen Dan's face a lot recently, but I also miss him too. 
So we're working through our problems though, Jesse. It's great. We, listen, we are going to figure this out, Dan. <laughs> God is my witness. Um, so, Hashem is my witness. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. Thank you. Thank you for saying Hashem and not explaining what it means. So in Jesse, also, thank you for being our editor and always yeah. making us Most sound welcome. great and cutting out the, the parts where we don't sound as smart. And to you, dear audience, thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, be sure to rate and review the vibe of the tribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You don't have to rate us in terms of pickles, but if you feel like it, sure. Stay safe, wear a mask, drink lots of seltzer, and support your local pickle establishment. Dill next time, everyone. Mm-hmm.